Are you ready to inject a little punk rock DIY ethos into your indie author career? Join me, best-selling author Steph Green, for the Rage Against the Manuscript podcast, where we're going to explore how to tell your story, find your readers, and build a badass author brand. For more info, check out our website at www.rageagainstthemanuscript.com. Hello writers, Steph here, and welcome back to another episode of the Rage Against the Manuscript podcast. I thought that this week um, we would talk about what happens when you have a book flop. Because, you know, we're self-publishing and we're, we're putting out maybe a few books a year, and sometimes they do amazing, and then sometimes they don't. And if you've listened to any of the other episodes, especially the recent ones where I kind of talk about my last few years, you'll notice that I talk about some flop books. And so I thought it would be really worthwhile to sort of sit down and maybe look at um, some of my flops and (laughs) kind of dissect what, what the fuck was I doing and what to do when you have a release that doesn't go quite the way you thought it was going to go you know maybe you maybe you had that feeling you know that feeling that this was it this was the book you know that was going to change your life and it didn't or you know it was the book of your heart and you really thought people would connect with it but they just don't or maybe it was you were like me and you had a massive hit of a series and you sort of thought okay, well, that's it, I've got all these readers, so they're going to stick around and for my new thing, and they don't. <laughs> so I thought we would kind of talk about this, so hey, I hope that's interesting for you. Uh, too bad if it's not. So the first thing I think it's really important to talk about when we talk about having a flop of a release is, it's kind of two two things in this. The first one is be very careful about how you how you judge a release based on the first couple of days. Too often I see in writers forums and in Facebook groups where writers are going, oh no, you know, I've just released this book and it's a complete disaster and it's a flop and I've wasted all this time and, you know, it's just, oh my god, it's terrible. And the book's been out for three hours. Now, the thing is, the thing is, is that a book does not ride or die based on the first 24 hours. Now, I know there are some factors that in this. Um, you know, often authors have got a book on pre-order. Um, it's you know going to release into Kindle Unlimited. They're looking quite a lot at the ranking of the book on Amazon because there's a lot of information that while the ranking doesn't equal money. It does influence the visibility that your book has on Amazon because obviously the higher the rank the book is in the store, the more bestseller lists and category lists it's going to appear at the top of and the more the, the more visible it's going to be for people. And so <laughs> authors, especially authors in KU, they often use ranking as kind of a measure of how successful a book is is going to be or book launch is going to be and obviously we all kind of know that in terms of the earnings of a book a book is going to do sort of generally speaking it's going to do the most 
kind of oomph in terms of earnings in its first month. And then after that, it's going to taper off into some kind of normal, sort of new, sort of new normal sales um, kind of volume. So this means that, you know, we're all kind of holding our breaths and crossing our fingers and, and, and looking really hard at that first month. But the fact of the matter is, is that a book that you write and a book that you publish now is going to earn you money for literally the rest of your life. So writing the thing off as a failure after a few hours because the ranking isn't quite what you expected is not the most productive way to approach a book that's that's not doing as well because if you're running around in a, in a big panic going oh it's a disaster and my whole life is over and <laughs> I've tanked my author career then you, you know you're kind of in this negative space where you're telling yourself all these stories um, and the reality is often quite different from that the reality may be that there's ranking issues on Amazon. The reality may be that, okay, the book hasn't hit quite as high as you wanted to on the first day, but it's only the first day. Um, it's, you know, so I've got a friend who had a book that um, released and it did pretty well on release. Um, but then two weeks later, it shot up the rankings as people read the book and started talking about the book with all their reader friends and then and the word of mouth hit but it took a few weeks for the word of mouth to actually hit that could happen to you um it could simply be that the book that the packaging is wrong it may maybe you need a new cover or a new blurb or something like that to hit the right audience and we're going to talk a, a lot about that in this episode um but you know largely it's simply a matter of if you're kind of catastrophizing a book on its first day, then you're not in a headspace where you're thinking, okay, well, you know, what can I do? And we want to be in that headspace. We want to be, you know, solving, a, solving the problem. <laughs> and one of the things that I like to do when I feel myself doing this um, is where I go, okay, well, if my brain is going, oh, this is terrible, and we're all going to die, then I'm actually going to sit down, and I'm actually going to work through the worst-case scenario. What is the worst-case scenario for this book? Now, the worst-case scenario is that the book is not going to sell the volume that you need in order to bring in the the money that you need. That's effectively the worst possible thing that could happen here. Um... Which, at the end of the day, like, it's it's bad, but it's not terrible. You know, it's unfortunate, but it's not catastrophic. Um, and there are a lot of things that you can do when you sort of realise that. That's the worst case scenario. When you realise that, you can start to go, okay, well, there are things I can do to mitigate that. And for, depending on the type of author that you are, if you release a book, it's probably going to be book one in the series. And you were thinking, one of the things you're thinking is, crap, I'm locked in to writing these books in this series, which is not going to do what I need it to do. Um, and so we're sort of going to talk a little bit about this, about this idea of, okay, well, I've released book one, and book one is flawed, so now what do I do? And 
And so I thought that I would talk to you about a flop that I had. And so I thought I'd use a, a, an, an actual example from my life. And the series I want to talk about is called Mandalay Academy. Now, I wrote back in 2019 a super successful um, series called The Kings of Miskatonic Prep. And this was a bully romance, a dark high school bully romance series. Um, but it was also um, a Lovecraftian horror. And it did really well. And I think a lot of the reason why it did quite well is because it had these evil cliffhangers at the end of the books. And a lot of the readers who read the books were expecting a kind of contemporary dark high school romance book and I hit them with this vaguely paranormal cliffhanger at the end of book one and they were like they were all over reader groups on Facebook going oh my god this this author this book oh my god I'm so surprised I don't know what's I don't know what's going on and so they loved that and they had to finish the series because they had to know what was going to happen next um and I was merely writing away these books and I was thinking this is it I found my audience I know who they are I know what they want um they love this kind of mix of the the sort of the dark bully high school setting but also these kind of weird creepy gothic paranormal elements so I'm going to give them what they want I'm going to series 2.0 this book and I'm going to do the same sort of thing again um, just with a different school a different set of characters um, <laughs> and it's going to be called Mandalay Academy it's going to be set in a, a, it's a very gothic music academy um, and it's going to be a proper gothic romance so there's going to be a supernatural element but it's going to be very very sort of vague it's going to be in the background there's going to be a ghost but the ghost is not you know a, a sort of super integral part of the story it, you know it's the kind of book where you could read it as supernatural you could read it as not a supernatural um so that's what i'm going to do and it's going to be amazing and i spent a lot of money on some fancy covers and i spent money on advertising the pre-order and i was really really excited and it did terrible I basically, in the first month, I didn't even make back what I had made promoting this book, advertising this book. And so, I am thinking, fuck. <laughs> I'm thinking, fuck. I um, had planned to write three books in this series. Um, I had ideas for, you know, other spin-off books and all kinds of things. Um, I, you know, I was, I was pretty gutted, to be honest, but I had to sit down and go, okay, so I had this hit series, and I had this flop, and the first thing I sort of had to look at was, okay, why has this flopped, what's, what's going on here, and when I looked at it kind of critically, um, I kind of realised a few of the mistakes I'd made. The biggest mistake that I think I'd made is I'd gone, okay, well, it's time to do a brand new series and a brand new idea. And when I was thinking about series 2.0-ing something and giving 
my readers more of what they were asking for. What I should have done is done a bit of a, a kind of a spin-off or a new character from the um, Kings of Miskatonic prep series. I think for these types of books with romance, uh, you know, sort of high school bully romance, kind of these sort of stories, a really good idea for them is to do the next generation. So the children of characters in the first series go to the same school and, you know, have some kind of new adventure. And realistically, that's probably what I should have done. Um, but I think the second thing is, is that the reason these books were quite big was that they hit the market right when bully romance was just coming into being a thing. Um, but by the time they were finished, my readers had read through them because they had to know how it finished. But by the time they had finished, the market had a huge number of bully romance authors, and it had really established itself as a contemporary romance trope, or contemporary romance subgenre. And my books were this weird mix of <laughs> the bully elements, but also this um, love, you know, H.P. Lovecraft kind of um, cosmic god kind of thing that was happening. And the fact of the matter is that um, that's probably not what the market really wanted. So they finished my series, but then they didn't go back to me as an author of the things that they wanted because I wasn't writing contemporary bully romance. So that also might have been a better idea for me to go more contemporary again. But I didn't. I did this whole gothic thing. And so I sort of realising the issues that I'd <laughs> that I'd made for myself. Um, and the, the the third issue I think is that in romance there is a a big divide between the three main subgenres of romance, which are contemporary, paranormal, and historical. And paranormal is the smallest of the three. And the problem with a lot of my books, I think, is that they straddle the line between contemporary and paranormal. They're not paranormal enough to be really appealing to the paranormal audience in a big way, but they're too paranormal to appeal to contemporary readers, so they kind of fit in this weird in-between space. And I've done pretty well for, for, you know, kind of sitting in that between space, but I'd like to do better. Um, so this is a thing I'm always thinking about, but it was something I didn't really realise and articulate until this series came out, because obviously it's got this kind of gothic element, and there's an element of which way do I go? Do I promote it as a contemporary book, or do I promote it as a paranormal book? And it's not enough of the one or the other thing to really hit perfect with those readers. So... Here is my sort of talk about what happens when you have a book that's that's a flop. So I think the here are a few things to think about. Um, so obviously the first thing to think about is you know look actually looking at the book and learning from it. Why did it flop? And what learnings about that are you going to carry forward into future series? Um, and some key things to look at when you're sort of 
thinking about why did a book flop. First of all, I would have a look at reviews, the reviews that you get for the book. Not necessarily the negative reviews either, but the positive reviews can give you a lot of information. So you don't have to be you know, looking at all those, <laughs> all those awful reviews that make you cry. You can just look at the positive ones. And one of the things that I see when I look at my books that haven't done as well as other books is that I get this... <laughs> this phrase where people say this book is so different this book is unlike anything I've ever read this is completely you know crazy I love it and that's awesome but it's also kind of a death knell for a genre writer because this book is so different means this book hasn't quite hit the thing that I'm you know the, 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 the thing that the majority of readers are looking for and so I think that's a big clue. Um, the other clue, the other thing to look at is to kind of bring your book back to the tropes and look at the tropes that you've used in your book. And if you can't find any tropes, then that's probably a big clue that this might be where you've messed up. Look at the tropes that are in your book and look at sort of where they fit in the market. Are there other books in the top 100 that have the same tropes? Are you bringing in tropes from other genres? This is a big thing that happens to me, is that I am quite cross-genre. I'm quite cross-genre in romance between contemporary and paranormal, and I'm also quite cross-genre with romance in other genres. So like romance and mystery, romance and crime, romance and horror. Um... So, and this is a bit of a problem. Um, I'm going to talk a, bit, a little bit about cross-genre in a sec. Um, so this is a bit of a problem because it actually, you, you think it kind of expands your readership, but what it actually does is, is halves it. Um, because if you're doing two genres, if you're cross-genre, you've got, got to find readers that like both those things together doesn't work to simply have readers that like one of those things. They have to kind of be into both those things together in order to be interested in the book. So, uh, <laughs> so that is a thing. Um, it's simply, it could simply be that the book doesn't have a strong enough hook. Um, there's you know, all manner of, of, of reasons. It could, I, you know, I would look at the packaging for definite um, and there's a lot you can do with packaging, and there may be a lot that you can do to kind of salvage a release. Um, so look at the cover. Uh, this is the thing that I do a lot. Um, I have a lot of covers. I've had a lot of success with covers which are objects, um, which is not really the normal thing in romance. Um, and so I have to look at, is it time to get rid of my object cover and perhaps replace it with a, with a sexy Manchester cover, which is more of the normal thing. Um, and that simply doing that could actually skyrocket a release. Same thing with the blurb. If, if you think the blurb isn't working, then rewrite the blurb and, and put a new blurb up and see, see how that people respond to that. One thing to think about is, is and this is especially if you're cross-genre, um, this is what I do, is to refocus your blurb on a different trope or a different aspect of, of one of the genres. So one thing that I do is um, with my books that straddle contemporary and paranormal, 
is that I'll try say a blurb which a, to, a blurb specifically designed to appeal to paranormal readers and if I'm not having success with that I'll switch to a blurb that's specifically designed to appeal to contemporary readers and I've done that with uh, the Mandalay Academy series when it launched it launched as a contemporary book really um, with a an object cover I then went to a contemporary cover and the contemporary blurb. Uh, that one didn't work either. I then went to a paranormal style cover and a more paranormal blurb. Um, and I still also, that's done okay, but I still don't think that's quite right. So when I launched, recently I finished the series, um, and I launched the box set of the series. And I actually launched the box set with the original um, object cover. Because I paid a lot of money for it. And it was really beautiful. So what I did was I rewrote the blurb again. And I made it super contemporary. Um, and very like now. Very of the moment. And that has worked really well. And that's meant that the series. you know, That's given the, the, the whole series a bit of a boost. Um, and the having the box set has meant that it's another product that can earn money for this series. So it's it's adding to the bottom line of the series. Um, so if your if your book hasn't worked with a particular trope or focusing on a particular cover style, then try something different. That's probably the biggest thing that you can do that may potentially turn a flop of a series around. But I think the biggest most important thing is to sort of change your mindset about a flop and realize that even if you have a flop it's still going to earn you money for the rest of your life once you have finished writing it and you've closed it off however you're going to do that it's just a thing that sits there and earns money and once you have finished writing it and you've closed it off it is a product that you can repackage, that you can redesign, that you can find new ways to and find new readers and do that again and again and again. So try not to think of a flop as, as a flop so much. <laughs> Just try and think of it as a product, as a product in your product line, um, you know, as a part of your backlist. Um, and there is always going to be things that you can do to get that in front of new readers. So, so... Some things to other things to think about. If this is a book one and you're looking at the numbers and you're like, yeah, this is not going to work, I would do as much as you can to think about how you could either cut the series off early or make it shorter or, you know, in some way lessen the amount of time that you're going to be spending writing and finishing the series. You can also consider. So what I actually did, and I'm not sure I recommend this, but it is a thing to consider. What I actually did was when book after book one of that series came out and it didn't do very well, I was supposed to immediately go and write book two, uh, but I then had another idea. And I had the idea that I had was probably the idea that I should have actually followed Kings of Miskaton to prep with, but that's okay. So I should have really held off on that idea and written book two and book three and be done with Mandalay. But I didn't. 
I was like, I have to write this book. So I wrote that book, and it actually did amazingly well. But now I've got two open series that I have to alternate between, and that's basically what happened. Um, and in the end, I think it worked not too bad for me, because it meant that I had a book that would do poorly, followed by a book that would do really well, followed by a book that would do really poorly. And it meant that I still had lots of new readers coming in, um, and I could sort of count on, okay, well, this release isn't going to do very well. Book two isn't going to do very well. Book three isn't going to do very well. But at least in between them, I have some books that I know are going to do really well. So that's something that you can do as well. You can adjust your schedule and put in things that you know are going to hit the market a bit better. So that's another thing that you can do. Um, and But yeah, I definitely recommend if you can finish books early, um, that is a very good idea. I looked really hard, I tried really hard to write this series as a duet, but I just couldn't do it, so it had to be three books. Um, but if you can do that, if you can cut out some plot elements or um, side characters or something like that, I would do that. Um, you can also consider not finishing. That is totally an option. If you aren't happy with having a book up in your catalogue that's the first book in a series where you haven't written the other books, you could simply unpublish the book. That is completely an option that you can consider. On the plus side, um, you could just have, you know, the first book up and you could say to people, look, you know, the book hasn't done as well, um, I will, I plan on finishing the series, but it's just not going to happen right away. You could say that. That's totally fine. Or you could simply say, look, it's not, it hasn't done very well, so I'm going to take it down and maybe in a couple of years I might have a rethink, I might put it back up again. Um, you might be able to work it into another another series, you might be able to rework it into something else, who knows. So that's an option you can consider. Um, totally, it's totally a thing you can consider. Other things to think about. You do have a second chance with a series when you do the box set. Um, like I said, I did my box set quite recently for this series because I finished it, so proud I finished it. So I got to do the box set, and the box set has actually been super profitable, um, and it's making me, again, rethink the packaging of the main series. Um, and this is a thing you can do again and again and again. Um, you know, I could redo the packaging in a few years' time if there was a trend or something that worked really well with this series. Um, so I'm actually looking now at redoing the covers and the blurbs for the the main series um, based on the success that I've had with the box set. I think I'm just going to take the box set um, blurb and tweak it slightly and do it for book one because it's a very contemporary blurb and do contemporary covers but the covers will be Manchester's covers versus my old contemporary cover that I tried which was a woman's face and it was still a bit gothy looking it was just not I, I don't think it was the right the right vibe um so that's the thing that you can do is you can you know again you can repackage um you can push this series to your audience several times a year um I did it was two sales on this series last year one one sale when book three came out and one, I think, was just a freebie 
sort of multi-author kind of thing. And that kept the book, you know, it brought in new readers, it kept the books churning. You know, they didn't do as well as if I did a sale on, say, a more popular series, but you can't do sales on your more popular series all the time. Um, you could do like a flash 99 cent sale where you just post out to your audience and you say, look, book's 99 cents for the next couple of days. You know, have you read this series? If not, grab it. Um, I've got quite a lot of, I think, my readers who are on my mailing list into the box set of this series because I know they haven't read these books simply because the pack, the new packaging has made them go, oh, actually, this is a series I might be interested in. So, you know, that's another thing. You Even though the series doesn't do as well as some of the others, it can still be part of your your strategy for the year. Yeah, and I think really that's probably everything that I have to say about um, when a book flops. I, I think the main thing is to stop beating yourself up. It's you know it's not your fault. It's not it's not anything bad about you. It's just that you know sometimes some books do better than others, and the important thing isn't that you had failure or that you know you didn't meet reader expectations or whatever. The important thing is that you learn from this experience, and I have learned so much more, so much more from having a flop of a series than I had from having my successful series. And I think that's, you know, that's kind of the important thing. So yeah, that's really all I wanted to say about flops and what you can do about them. Have you had a flop? What have you done to rescue a flop or to make a flop a viable part of your backlist? I would love to hear your stories. Come over to the Facebook group and have a chat to everyone. That was this week's episode of Rage Against the Manuscript. Um, please do check out the website, which has got all of the old podcast episodes. It's also got um, my online courses about self-publishing and a whole bunch of articles and fun stuff that you might enjoy. That's www.rageagainstthemanuscript.com. I have been your host, Steph Green. So long for now, and happy publishing.